out on the road Waiting for a new episode We've been thinking of you And just what you need Oh yeah, yeah Now that the show's underway I guess we can't call it a day You're already for The Bowfinger Show Welcome back to another episode of the Bowfinger Minute podcast, where each week Movies by Minutes hosts examine the 1999 Frank Oz-directed comedy Bowfinger, one minute of screen time per episode. Today, as we look at Minute 72 of Bowfinger, I'm joined by two brilliant guests. I'm here with Phoebe Stokes and Simon Fisher-Becker. Hello. Hello. So uh, I'll, st- I'll start with you, Phoebe. A little introduction. Who are you? Um, yeah, what, what do you do? Uh, my name is Phoebe. Um, I'm a musician. I'm currently at uni, um, but I am a songwriter. Um, and uh, yeah, I make songs and I do a lot of um, concerts. And I'm currently working with you to make a film, um, to yes. make a soundtrack for your film, Weightless Words. So. I remember you sent me, uh, I can't remember how it came up, but I remember you sent me your SoundCloud on the same day that... Amy or NASA or however people know her, um, sent me the script for Weightless Words. And I was just like, eh, two birds, one stone. And then I was like, oh no, this style, this vibe really fits. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of your music and I may uh, play a clip of, of something here. Phoebe Stokes, which can be found on her SoundCloud page, Phoebes. And uh, Simon, who are you? What do you do? Uh, uh, I'm Simon. I'm an actor and a writer. Uh, uh, I have a fan base in sci-fi world because uh, uh, I have a presence in Doctor Who and in Harry Potter. But I've done lots of other things. I'm ancient now. You know, uh, I said... I started out before colour. But yeah, and I I may play a clip of of you in something here as well. So many secrets, Doctor. (laughs) I'll help you keep them, of course. We're not exactly going anywhere, are you? But you're a fool, nonetheless. It's all still waiting for you. 
the fields of Trenzalore, the fall of the Eleventh, and the question. Goodbye, Dorian. The first question. The question that must never be answered. Hidden in plain sight. The question you've been running from all your life. Doctor Who. Doctor Who. Doctor Who. That was Simon Fisher-Becker and Matt Smith in a scene from the Doctor Who episode, The Wedding of River Song. Yes, uh, I keep my, uh, keep my finger in many pies. Hence, I'm as wide as I am. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, I've got various things coming out in 23 and, and working with your good self, Luke. Yes. So um, uh, am I allowed to mention it at this stage? Yes, yeah. Yes. Uh, well, the main project is, uh, re- uh, is uh, well, I was going to say reduced to clear, but that's that, what, that's how, that's that's what we did before. <laughs> uh, it's Henry House. It's a comedy drama set in a care home. Um, produced by Rocking Horse Media. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we're featuring uh, very many guest stars. And yes, I mean, yeah, I mean, technically, people have to watch. If, yeah, if this is out next year, then like we can say, but um, <laughs> today we're looking at minute 72 of Bowfinger. Am I right that neither of you have seen the film? or I haven't seen the whole film, no. Yeah, I've seen some scenes in it and I've listened to the soundtrack. Oh, that's that's a good, good place to start. I, I should have predicted that, um, that, that your, your go-to is what's the sound. What do you think of the soundtrack? I can't even remember the soundtrack. <laughs> well, it's definitely interesting, but it's it's comical. So mm. it's like Marvin Gaye and a lot of um, funk. It's, it's just mainly mm. for entertainment, I guess. It is very clearly a yeah. film from 1999. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but based on um, the few clips you saw, Phoebe, what, what do you think of the film? Oh, I love it. I love it. I mean, it's. I guess it's kind of a mind f**k because it's a film about making a film, mm. and I think that's really interesting. But yeah, no, it's hilarious. I love the dog. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I really liked it. But I, I guess it was kind of about a guy kind of caught in lots of lies. But mm. I think it resonates with all of us because you're a filmmaker, and I'm a musician and we're all trying to make it so I thought that was pretty interesting the fact that it's kind of relatable in a way the kind of madness and chaos and like impulsiveness of just wanting to create something yes yeah I think it's it does kind of have that but I don't know like genuinely how we discussed this in one of the last shows I did um how well received this film is among people who aren't creatives um because i think a lot of it does kind of play on that idea um so I, i'd be interested to know but uh the, the one minute that we have here i think kind of encapsulates a large part of the vibe of the film overall so uh yeah simon what are your overall thoughts before we go in, uh, in depth my overall the one thoughts are very similar to, to yours uh yes i think um us in the industry will enjoy it I won't say more, but we'll have different mm. reasons to enjoy it because it sort of uh, engages personal experiences and it shows really that over the years nothing's changed. Yes, yes, <laughs> that's that. It definitely did feel that. It's like this film is over 20 years yeah. old and so many things that happened, I was like, I get that. Or occasionally a couple of things he did, I was like, 
I'm going to make note of that. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and um, uh, as as uh, uh, people sort of falling in the trap of being considered to tell lies, I think at the time of telling, of saying what they said, they don't necessarily know that they're lying because they believe it's going to happen at the time. It's mm. only when it subsequently doesn't happen for various reasons uh, that, uh, that it could be perceived that they lied just to trick somebody into doing something. Yes. And uh, yeah. yes, I've fallen into that trap many a time or been uh, part, a victim of it too. So, uh, but, you know, as the years tick by, you just learn to take things as they come. Yes, yeah. I think it's um so obviously the main lie that he has, um, that he does believe <laughs> to believe to be a truth, um, and that does that spoilers to everyone, but work out, um, is that uh, he wants the big star, Kit Ramsey, uh, played by Eddie Murphy, who's like a top Hollywood star, he wants him in his film. Um, but uh, the only way he could guarantee that is by not telling him and basically stalking this guy and making him think he's experiencing an alien invasion um, just so they can get a realistic performance out of him. And it's so stupid, but also 100% a sort of thing that I can imagine happening. <laughs> That's what's quite scary is like, I I know some filmmakers that that is not an unfeasible thing to imagine them trying to do. I don't think they'd pull it off, but I think I, I know people who would try that. <laughs> But also, I, I I do appreciate the number of projects I've been involved with now, that no matter how much planning there is, something will go wrong for a reason that really hasn't been thought of at all. So, uh, and there can be all sorts of variants. I mean, recently, of course, we had our lockdown periods, and so that yes. puts production periods all over the place. And uh, <laughs> I, I, for me, on a personal basis, January... 2020 i was very excited because for the next two years i'd got a, a more or less full diary well then came march 2020 <laughs> everything stopped uh and um very few of the projects i was contracted for have actually been picked up again which is very sad but so i stole you for reduced to clear and so, haven't given you so, back since so, <laughs> well no actually you were one of one of a handful of people who helped keep me sane uh, and at least I'm in a in a screwy way. I've been practicing my craft, so thank you very much. Well, thank you for for ag agreeing on on all our all our projects. Um, but yeah, it is just kind of such a such a fascinating um, film and such a fascinating idea. Like the indie film industry, I've said for years that there is um, a surprising lack of comedy films or sitcoms set in indie filmmaking, because I you know I. I think there's so much room for humour and it's a very silly and stressful situation. It's such a kind of fascinating world. Um, are we all set to kind of delve into the minute uh, line by line or are we any other? Line by line, now that'll be a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> but... We're, um, so we, op we open with Bowfinger on the phone Um He's leaving his house at 4.45 to go to Minehead. Great work, Jeff. Great work. Now we really need those pencils, buddy. Okay. And what you might not have gathered, Simon, from the one minute, and I'm, I'm no idea what, how much it came upon from your um, your clips, uh, Phoebe, is that in, in 
typical Eddie Murphy fashion, Eddie Murphy plays two characters in this film. He plays Kit Ramsey, the big Hollywood star, and Jif Ramsey, his twin brother who has never really had any success at all and is very excited to be getting to work on a film and doesn't realise they're kind of just using him because he looks like his brother. Um, and that's that's Jif. He, he is basically every runner on any film um, getting dragged on from project to project. What did you think, Phoebe, from the clips you saw of, of Eddie Murphy? Um, I thought it was hilarious, honestly. Um, I guess it was quite confusing. There were so many men in suits um, talking yes. to each other. Um, another thing that confused me is what is Minehead? Because I remember in the film, um, Jeff says, "Are you going?" And then, and then there's this weird like cult environment, yes. and it just blew my mind. I was like, "What the hell is going on right now?" Yeah, it's it's such a, an interesting thing because for me, the Minehead stuff doesn't work as well as the rest of the film. It feels more surreal than the other stuff. A lot of the comedy yeah. is quite grounded, and the Minehead is quite surreal. But I know a lot of people who love it. I it was late nineties. I believe it's a spoof on Scientology and that kind of ideology so then he rushes out to the cast and crew um and tells and tells dave that he'll see him at the location There's, that's a little correction to anyone who listened to the last episode i couldn't remember anyone's name after extensive research i.e looking it up on imdb that character's called dave and i should have known that last episode I will see you at the location. Kit, all right. We are about to shoot the final scene in this movie. I just got off the phone with Kit. He is very excited, so know your jobs, please. No screw-ups. Come on, let's go. We have one hour to get there. Come on, let's go. Make sure Slater has finished painting that car. And obviously, as we're going to delve in uh, later on into the reveal uh, that uh, Daisy also knows that Kit has not agreed to be in the film. Uh, Simon, have you had any kind of interesting experiences of, of guerrilla filming? On have you done any indie projects where you're filming in places you shouldn't be, or you? Oh yes, I, I remember doing a thing called Waterside, mm-hmm. and uh, we uh, we were filming outside a house, which was in the script, uh, and uh, we we're on the opposite side of the road, and I was playing the mayor of Waterside, giving some speech. <laughs> and just before we were do- just before we were to start, uh, where I've got this monologue, I was told you've got to do this quickly because we haven't got permission to be here. <laughs> and I, I thought, oh bugger, right? So I just took a deep breath and went for it, <laughs> and uh, uh, and I only had to do it twice. So yes, that sort of thing happens all the time. The the other thing also with some uh, indie films, they do find the most obscure places to find because they don't want to be caught. And sometimes it can be like in the middle of a, a woodland area. And of course, uh, I've done things before. There was the in, uh, invention of satnav, And so they'll send you a hand-drawn map. And of course, it's not to scale. And the map doesn't include other side roads or other landmarks. So that was oh. always the challenge of trying to find it. And I often think now, how the hell did I manage that? But... Uh, I suppose there is a sort of inbuilt radar that... Uh, I was going to say, even with Satnav, the amount of filming yeah. we've done like around the outskirts of Wales, it's very hard yes. to find find where things are even when you've got yes. strict directions. Um, but, but, but also with Satnav, sometimes it'll send the actual coordinates, will send you 
to the back end of the building. Yes. And yeah. there's no way of getting in from the back. So uh, <coughs> you're getting into the grounds of the back. So that's always very curious. And it's not just obscure buildings. It's sometimes it can be hotels. But, uh, but there we go. Yes. Uh, what else? Um, continual uh, script changing. Yes. I mean, it happens to an extent anyway in a fully funded project, but with indie films, it happens more often than not, but mainly because uh, sometimes the cast has to change because they've had to change a production period and it doesn't suit some of the actors that are already booked in. Well, yeah, didn't you yeah. say that um, you got the uh, the Minnesota for Doctor Who? Like with what, like an an hour's notice or something? Yes, in the filming of Doctor Who, uh, <laughs> I remember there well, was it a good man goes to war. I, I was approached and asked if I would like to do a trailer. Was how it was put to me. Would you like to do a trailer? Well, yes, blah blah blah. And this was about half past five in the evening, and I was told it was me and uh, and three other characters i thought excellent uh and uh and i said oh well we have time to rehearse well, we'll have to see that because they want to do it tomorrow morning at nine <laughs> right uh, uh but uh Stephen moffat is still writing the scene it'll be in your trailer when you finish tonight and uh, we finished at something like 11 o'clock at night got to my trailer read the script to find that uh, the three other characters were headless monks. So it was, in fact, a monologue <laughs> for me. So a bit of a sleepless night, but we got it done. Yes, these things do happen, and you think, oh, blimey. Uh, and it's happened so many times now, I've sort of got used to the idea, but prefer to be more prepared. And Phoebe, are there any kind of last-minute changes or kind of or anything like that within the music world? Any kind of stressful sudden changes of plan and and, and all the, the time every <laughs> every musician is like a hot mess so everyone is always some something happens like the camera breaks so we don't have a photographer or someone's late to rehearsal so we can't we don't have a basis for that day or someone's strings snapped or someone's like broken oh. their drums everything all the time and I don't know we're quite good I don't think we've ever snuck in anywhere I think I've had a lot of conversations with people where I've just walked up to them and it's felt so wrong but I've just been like hello and I think that reminded me of that scene in the restaurant where they go <laughs> and talk to the famous people and then they act like they're crazy I think I that is me so many times <laughs> yeah and I definitely feel like and kind of what you're suggesting Phoebe that sometimes just pretending you know what you do what you're doing is is enough <laughs> to to convince people <laughs> Yeah. I think that that may be how Bowfinger succeeds in the film. Oh, definitely. Yes, you say that reminds me of a friend of mine. His name was Peter Moore. He was London's town crier. And he had very round toes. He talked very positive like this. But it wasn't until you actually sat and listened to what he said that you realised that half the time he was talking a load of nonsense. But he said it with such authority that you took it to be true. Yeah, I remember being told uh, back at like GCSEs in my history exams that um, 
like if I didn't know something, I'd just guess. Um, but I'd say it with enough confidence that my teacher kept being, I think she called it a weakness. She was like, you know, your your weaknesses, you'll you'll say incorrect facts, but with confidence. And I'm like, that's not a weakness. Like if I had an examiner who was a bit tired and like, you know, 2000 exams in grading them and they just go oh well he sounds like he's right they're not going to google it <laughs> they're just going to give you the marks uh, i think a lot I... of politicians rely on that as well <laughs> I, think so. I think so um and then of course uh, i never found out whether that worked or not because uh the pandemic meant that we didn't have to set any gcses um as I'm, I'm sure you can attest to, Phoebe. I don't think it would have worked. I think there's no. a mark scheme, but at least Probably. you tried. Yeah. There's a there's a difference between a lie and a white lie, isn't there? Yes. Uh, when I first started out as an actor, you know, in between jobs, you had to get temp work. And uh, I tended to fall into the sort of administrator type roles. So, of course, they were asking... Uh, when I was looking for the temp work, mostly they wanted to know these latest fandangle, can you use DOS and can yeah. you use some really weird sounding computer programs? And of course I said, yes, no problem at all. Uh, I get the job and I found most of the time being a temp, you were left in a corner to get on with something. So I actually was able to pick up how to use a particular program by being just left there and trial and error. There was lots of ah noises <laughs> as I did things wrong, but uh, I got the job done. But uh, yeah, if, if, I, I, if I, think... I hadn't been economical with the truth there, then I wouldn't have been able to pay the rent that week. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why we're just like dedicating this part of the podcast to telling listeners the benefits of lying. But I suppose as a magician, as a musician, as a musician, Phoebe, <laughs> as a musician, it's not so easy to fake things, is it? Um... You could either play your instrument or not. I guess, well, um, there's been many times where I have to pretend that I'm better at guitar than I actually am. And then I go and I'm like, where does this wire go? Uh, (laughs) I'm still learning the electronics on stage because no one really sits you down and says, oh, yeah, by the way, when you're using a pedal board, do this. No one really talks about that. And you kind of have to learn on the spot. So you kind of just have to pretend you know what you're doing and then panic on the inside and be like, Guitar sounds like shit. And um, I remember um, whenever I have a show, I always have to gas it up more than it actually is. So to be like, oh, yeah, there'll, there'll be everyone there. Like, you should come. Um, it's a big deal. And then it may even be like a tiny venue with a couple of people. But you just have to put that energy. No, in I, I definitely ag- I agree. And yeah. observing from the outside, all of your shows feel like big deals on, on yeah, your social things. Yeah, probably not, things. but you just um, But no, I, I remember someone said to me once, um, they said, and I think they meant it as a compliment, but it was really weird. Um, they said, <laughs> you don't know what you're doing, but you make it look like you do. <laughs> that was a, It was a strange compliment, but I think it's, I think as well, when you're kind of in industries in which... Um, a large part of it is being self-taught. I mean, I know obviously there there are layers of, of learning things, but a large part of it is being self-taught. I, there's not really a point in which you go, oh yes, I'm completed. I know all of film. I know all of music. I know all of act. And so you're going to get in these kind of different circumstances in which people are going to assume because you're a professional, you know what you're doing or but you know because you've done it for years. And there's no way of ever knowing like, 
when you're done when you, oh yeah I know all this stuff now and now I can no, there are so you know, many things especially now I'm starting to get into like producing my own work and re- making my own demos mm. and there's all these softwares like logic and stuff and I sit down at a computer for hours every day trying to figure out what every button means but there's just so many things I think even when I'm older I still won't know half of the well that's it and I, the question is like is that just what it's like is that is it the same for everyone it's like when i've applied for jobs and stuff when i've seen like the bbc for example put call outs for like producer or production manager or whatever it's like say i got the job if i turn up am i suddenly going to find out that actually the way they do producing and production management the proper way is completely different to the way i do it like There's at no what point do way. you find out <laughs> There's no proper way, no matter what anybody tells you. The way is the way it works for you. And uh, the way it works for you might be different from the way it works for Phoebe. It might be different than it works for Luke. But there's no proper way. I mean, I consider myself lucky that I'm in an industry that is somewhat organic. So it's always changing. So you're always having to learn something new, either technical or just uh, philosophically. Um, uh, the the only uh, the only time I get a bit miffed is when people sort of say things like, "Well, you haven't got a proper job." Oh, oh, that's yes. just a lovey story, you know, as if mm. you're not in the real world at all. So, uh, so to move back into Bowfinger, um, he spots uh, Daisy, played by Heather Graham, um, and he says. Daisy, Daisy, good. Can I talk to you about the scene? Sure. All right, good. Now listen, this is a very difficult scene for Kit. He is probably not going to want to get in that car with you. In fact, he will probably really, really resist because of his character and everything. So you just love that line because of his character and everything. It's such a, a quick dismissal of just like, yeah, because of his character. And yeah, it's such a... It's just... But I wonder if that would have worked if had Heather Graham's character not known that it was like whether she'd be like yeah because of his character whatever because some of them did there's a there's a few scenes with um i don't know i think you see her briefly in the scene but christine baranski has got a fairly significant character in the film and there's there's a few scenes of her where she's talking about kit or she's like she's done her scenes with him and she fully believes he's involved in the film and that he's just really method yeah have you, have you met many method actors simon <laughs> anyone who is remains in character the whole time uh, actually, yes, I, I I have met one or two who have sort of remained in character or have been very difficult to talk to off stage or offset. Mm. Uh, and it is, uh, I don't know. Uh, um, but what I do know is that quite a few people who say they are method acting have no idea what they're doing. Uh and they don't even understand what they mean by the term method. Yeah, well, because I, uh, I think a lot of the way it's viewed in the media, the idea of method acting, is people using it as an excuse to act like a d- basically. Yeah. But that's not that's that's not all of it, I assume. But I don't think I've come face to face with too many method actors. But that's uh, uh, kind uh, of. I think uh, the only time I get a bit irritated is if the way a certain actor decides that they need to work to produce what they're going to produce uh, uh, affects and gets in the way of and smothers what other actors are doing mm. who found a way of doing things yes i remember i was in a play once and uh, the lead actor 
um, he had to slap another character. And one night he slapped this person so hard that a tooth fell out. And so I felt I had to have a word after the show. And he said, my, uh, my character must be allowed to breathe. <laughs> and I thought, oh. pompous twit. Uh, but, you know, uh, I mean, I don't know. Sense memory is the only thing that I would agree with anyone. And then people interpret what is meant by sense memory. For me, uh, and I say this to any actor and to some degree, any musician, get yourself outside your comfort zone and get as many experiences outside of what your chosen profession is. Uh, because the more you do, the more you can remember and it makes life easier when you're trying to be a different character. I think there is acting in stage and music, music as well. I find that sometimes when I watch videos of me back, I know that I'm just pretending because you don't really want to be you when you're performing. You want to be someone else. You want to be someone that's really confident and like crazy, you know. As soon as I go on live, I have to pretend that everyone that I'm performing to is like, I, that I don't know them and that I'm just like shouting at them, especially when I'm doing a punk song or a heavy song that's not as vulnerable. I think I have to put on another layer that says, oh, I don't care, you know, I have to, I, um, I also have so many idols um, like um, Biba Doobie and Sabrina from this band called Pretty Sick. And sometimes I just pretend that I'm them and mm. I pretend that I'm, I don't care and that I'm as cool as them and that I can just move around like them. I think that that, that definitely does make a lot of sense, yeah, um, as, as a kind of approach. Because as you say, pretending that you that you don't know like members of the audience and stuff, because I imagine that could differ. It is your performance could be so different when your friends are in the audience to like w when you're at a random open mic, not knowing anyone. So to kind of have that extra layer or to see it as a, a character per se, I imagine it probably is a nice way of separating the, the two areas of your life as well. And kind of you've got your your home life, your your personal life, and your screens, your sorry, your stage life as two separate characters is probably easier than trying to blend them <laughs> yes because music is so much about um aesthetics and your image and how you look to everyone else i don't think people might not admit this but they only listen if what they think they are listening to is really cool or um interesting in some way so i find myself um like comparing my appearance and the way I move around on stage, um, where like obviously my personal life, I don't have to worry about that and I can be in my pajamas, <laughs> or be as uncool as I want. Yeah, and, and Simon, do you do you find like it's weird to say on a podcast form, but do you find that there's a difference in in persona for you between even when you're being interviewed and when you're at home? Like are, are there different different sides of you to being in the podcast now and being sat watching Taskmaster with Tony? Uh, uh, on a personal level, not much, but I do know um, what I've come across is that people who know me and, and know that generally speaking, I'm quite easygoing and mm. I'm a bit jolly and blah, blah, yeah. blah. When they do find me working in a serious mode, it can throw them. 
Yeah, I imagine yeah, it then could they be. Yeah. Then they then one or two then say, "Oh, so which are you? Are you the serious person, or are you the jolly person?" As to which my response is, "Why can't a jolly person be serious?" You know. Yes, and I think I think that is quite interesting, and I imagine that that the jump from kind of seeing knowing you on a social level to working with you is probably because I, I for the most part I guess I was kind of had the easier jump of working with you and then kind of chatting yes. with you and seeing you socially that the line isn't quite as as clear but yeah, yeah I, I imagine there is and I I kind of I feel like I, there's two different sides to me as well yeah. but I don't know yeah I think so I, I mean uh, I think I fall into uh, a category that uh a lot of performance that I know fall into the same category. Uh, and what it is, is we're serious about our work, but we don't take ourselves seriously. I think that's, and that's after the all, perfect way, yeah. <laughs> after all, when you think what the industry is and how we earn our living, it is quite balmy. And you've got to build and develop a thick skin, otherwise you'll be in therapy all your life. So... Uh, um, but it is crazy. And yes, there are people outside the industry who judge you by how their industry works, yes, uh, yeah. uh, which is uh, which is a bit tiresome. Um, I don't know. It's, it's very difficult, really. Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's fair to, to be making like comparisons industry to industry, but also it, there are they, things differ. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's a it's still a you know there's the proper job debates that we're discussing but it's obviously it's still an industry in which you have to work for what you do but it's also an industry in which and i imagine it's the same same for you phoebe within within music that sometimes you just think isn't it incredible that i get to do this yes, <laughs> yes. and of course we do we we work in an industry where quite fantastic things happen but you can understand why people might think you're a bit of a Walter Mitty character. Yes. They think you're making it up half the time. And uh, I remember in, in years gone by, it, it would not be unusual for me to do a photographic job in the morning, do a short bit of filming in the afternoon, and then go and doing the play in the evening. Huh. It went a very long day, a very exhausting day, something I probably couldn't physically do now. But there were times like that. And then some weeks later, you're recounting something and then somebody will say, but didn't you say you were doing your play that day? <laughs> yes. yes. I said, but there's the rest of the day. A day is 24 hours long. And of course, then they don't believe you. You know, they think you're making it all up. Yeah. But, uh, I, I've even had people say, no, you don't play Dorian in Doctor Who. For Phoebe, if you don't know, my character, I'm my head is shaved and I'm painted <laughs> blue. Right. Oh, wow. So when people say things like, but it doesn't look like you, I think, well, that's not surprising, <laughs> is it? I kind of wanted to ask you, Phoebe, we talked about method actors and things like that earlier. What Are there, are there any sort of strange characters that you meet within the, the music world? any kind of people who have a very certain you know m manner about them that to the outside world they're comedy characters um i find myself laughing a lot as a form of relief there's so many people in the music industry that are fed up with what they're doing or that have very high egos like for yes. example last night 
at the um, concert that I did in my sound check, um, the um, sound engineer was angry at everyone for being there. I think he just, he wanted to be doing more and he was stuck with a bunch of bands that were upcoming and he was, he was not happy about that. And you get so many musicians with high egos yeah. that are at the same level as me, but somehow they think they are already Well, the, the ego so rarely yeah. matches the talent. It's it's like I, I've hardly ever met Ooh, someone whose ego is in line with their talent. Either they've got big talent and low ego, or big ego and low talent. I've so rarely met someone at which like they've got an ego, and I'm like, yeah, it's fine because they're that good. It is so comical, though. I mean, it, it's not mm. supposed to be, but it is funny how many random situations you find yourself in yeah. because of the industry. Because I'm busy all the time, and I'm always experiencing new things. And half of those things are like, I'm always busy, but some of those things are so unorganized and so messy and so random that it has to be funny. Yeah, well, I think it's when you take that step back and you're like, this is so normal to me. But to if anyone else saw this and was just like, oh, yeah, this is what I'm doing today. It's yeah. it's insane. It's so silly. I mean, you know, Simon, one of the first days I worked with you, we were in a tiny room, you had a green screen behind you and you were shouting at us about not giving a dog shrimp. Like, oh, you know, yes. it's, it's such a it's such a strange concept to the outside world um, that, yeah, yeah it, it's such a the entertainment world is so surreal at times to delve further into the minute uh which this this happens you know every time i do a minute by minute show is like i forget that i've got to talk about the minute so you have to be very very persuasive because because, because he doesn't know he's in the movie i know what's going on i may be from ohio but i'm not from ohio i'm not mad i'm working aren't i but but who told you? We're packed and loaded. <laughs> what I will say, well, from from my perspective, mm. the the minutes you chose for us to discuss mm. uh, is spot on because I'm now more interested in actually going back and finding it and watching yes. it. It is, yeah. It's. I, I was quite glad because last last episode's minute was really uneventful, whereas this, I think, kind of encapsulates the the concept of the film quite nicely and i think it's 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 standalone enough that that you can tell what's going on um and stuff which is another one of those issues which you know because films aren't made to be looked at minute by minute <laughs> and so sometimes you can have very very dull episodes um so it's quite yeah quite honest and i, I definitely yeah i definitely recommend it i mean Steve, i hadn't seen just, yes yeah. can we just talk about how cool heather is as a character like her outfits in all of the sh oh, yes. all of the film is like crazy. It's good. I think she's definitely a manic pixie dream girl without meaning to be. Yes, she, she kind of she it. kind of has yeah she kind of is manic pixie before manic pixie was a thing. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think what 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 was like the proper turning point for the manic pixie. I'd like to think Eternal Sunshine, but probably not. But then there's that whole argument that she's not because she only acts like yeah. she knows him because they met in another lifetime. Yeah, it's interesting because I really expected when I first watched the film her character to be one beat. Like I, I fully kind of felt like because they I mean, it's almost expressed in, in this scene when she said I'm maybe from Ohio, but I'm not from Ohio, that it felt like they were playing a dumb blonde idea. And I was kind of like, 
oh, this is, you know, a dated idea, dated representation. And then she had so much more to her character than I expected. Um, that yeah, she's a, such a fascinating. Yeah. And I mean, Heather Graham is always just a fantastic actress in like everything she's in. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I will kind of move on to, um, well, yeah, any any other final thoughts, final comments, and then we can kind of move on to, to plugs and the likes. It reminded me of um, the Truman Show. Yes. When 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 a character kind of wakes up and says, "Oh, he's not acting." That's what my first thoughts were when I watched the minute. Yeah, I I kind of I get that as the Truman Show in general as an aesthetic, which is weird because they're very different films. But yes. as comparisons go, that is a really yeah. No, I I, I see that entirely. Um, so I will I will go to to you, Simon. If the listeners want to find out more about you, where can they find you? Um... Uh, well, there's my personal website, fisherbecker.com. Uh, also, if anybody's interested, I'm a regular character called Tony Siren in a de- sci-fi detective series, and it's called The Hawk Chronicles. And they can. Uh, just tap in hawkchronicles.com and you can find all sorts of episodes uh, for that. Um, uh, I was invited as a guest artiste for episode 103 and they've kept me on and I've literally this week recorded episode 208. So it's, so it's very exciting. Uh, and uh, just watch these spaces, uh, watch, uh, uh, check out uh, Rocking Horse Media. Yes. Uh, and if people are interested in my trilogy of autobiographical anecdotes, they can go to Fantastic Books Publishing uh, or to um, Amazon. And if anyone wants signed copies of anything, just contact me via Facebook um, or via my website, and I'll be more than happy to arrange. And of course, Mastodon now is a is a thing. Oh, Mastodon. You're... Yes. Oh, yes. Thank you very much, Luke. Now it, it's a, it's very strange because um, I've had the last eighteen months or two years, I've had people stealing my sites. So I've had my Facebook cloned at least three times. Uh, I've had my Wikipedia page. I have no control over. Somebody set it up and they keep on adding things. Some of the information is incorrect. I went to correct some information and found I need all sorts of passwords and I have no idea what they are. Hmm. And, uh, um, but and then, then somebody literally stole my Twitter account, which was an authenticated Twitter account, and started selling Bitcoins. And the first I knew about it was people saying, why are you selling bitcoins? And I was being dismissed. <laughs> uh, and uh, and Twitter did nothing at all to help me. Yeah, rectify. that's it. It's been it's been over a year that this yeah. account, this yeah. verified account, is very clearly not you. And then and then of course, <laughs> Mr. Musk has come along, and uh, I'm not sure Twitter's going to survive much longer, to be honest. But uh, uh, I got Tony, who's my husband, to to do some research, and uh, he found that. One or two people we know and one or two people we respect have moved to this Mastodon site. So that's where you can find me. Yeah, I'm, I'm still up. trying to figure it out. You and Tony love it, I, I, I will agree. It, it was a bit of a palaver to get set up, but I think what it is, Mastodon is a much smaller setup. Mm. And so they were inundated 
with people applying. So the uh, so it took them a bit of time to get going. But once you're in, it's really good fun, uh, and it's uh, less dangerous than Twitter, uh, and more friendly. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to remember what my Mastodon is, and I will plug that when I get to my plugs. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, Phoebe, where what can people find of you? Where can people find you? Um, Instagram is my main thing. Uh, my username is StrawberryGirl17, and I'm in a band called Nobody's Dad. You can find us on there as well. Um, I will set up a Spotify eventually, but I'm waiting to have more of a, um, a following first. Um, but most of my stuff is on uh, SoundCloud. I record demos all the time. So um, you can find my music on there. So, yeah, thank you. Um, Thank you for having me, by the way. No, thanks for coming on. The listeners can find me on Twitter, if that still exists when this comes out, uh, (laughs) as uh, llama underscore bottle zero, because I made that when I was like 12 and can't be bothered to change it. You can find me on Instagram at the Ginger Luke. I think I've got a Facebook Luke Allen film. I don't really use that that much, but I'll try and get back on there. Um, plenty of other bits you can find me on on Mastodon, uh, the Ginger Luke on there as well. I think, I think that's the only. I'm, I keep starting so many social medias and not knowing what I'm doing. I joined Be Real recently. I don't really get it, but like, <laughs> I felt like I was missing out, so I joined. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, I think the main ones I'm plugging, uh, that, that that's there. You can find the Bowfinger Minute podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play, or at the main site of bowfingerminute.com. If you have time, please like, subscribe, and review the show on Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice. You can also find us on social media via the Welcome to Mindhead, the Bowfinger Minute Listener Center group on Facebook and on Twitter at Bowfinger Minute. I hope you join us here next time at the Bowfinger Minute, but in the meantime... Keep it together, keep it together, keep it together. Keep it together, children. I hope that we'll see you again. Cause there's always one more Sure.